everybody. Welcome to Baking with House of Bread. And I am your host, Sheila McCann. Sourdough sandwich bread. It's delicious with a more subtle sourdough flavor and a softer crust that makes an awesome sandwich loaf. In a future episode, I'm going to cover the hard crust and artisan sourdough loaf. And that's much more sour. It's also a four-day process. So this recipe is a one-day recipe. It's easy to make and it's perfect for sandwiches. You'll still taste the sourness, but it won't overpower your sandwich or your avocado toast or whatever you're going to do with your loaf of bread. Okay, so you're going to need to have sourdough starter on hand. You can start your own, which I covered in the last episode of seven, or you can buy some at your local bakery. Try asking one of your sourdough making friends for some of their starter. You can actually even buy it on Amazon. It really is pretty amazing how much you can buy on about everything in the whole world on Amazon. However, I'd rather see you get it from a friend. Chances are they have some to discard from feeding their sourdough starter, and they'd be happy to give you some. This recipe is also great for pizza doughs it, because it does have a little bit more milder flavor, and so it's going to allow the toppings to shine for the flavor in your pizza. We also use this recipe for the base of our sourdough artichoke pesto loaf, and that dough... Because the dough is not so sweet, you can easily take savory ingredients into the base. And it, as previously discussed, the key to adding in those ingredients is that one, it should be at room temperature to the dough, and two, it should be after the first, or rather, bulk rising. And the reason it's called bulk because really the majority of the strength of the dough and the flavor is developed in that stage before the dividing and shaping happens where it will rise again. Okay, so the recipe calls for some unbleached white flour, and that's a bread flour. And also two, it has stone ground whole wheat flour. And then water, sourdough starter, honey, yeast, and salt. While you can try to naturally leaven your doughs without adding any extra yeast, this particular recipe we use to make our sandwiches, and we really can't have a dense short loaf I mean, for one, it makes the sandwich look smaller, and it's difficult putting all the necessary ingredients. I mean, we use four ounces of meat, cheese, et cetera, that goes into our sandwiches. And we use about half as much yeast as we use in our other recipes because of the sourdough starter. It's just enough to, to give that dough an extra boost. Now, if you're one of those purists and want to leaven the whole, leave the whole yeast out and naturally leaven everything, so what you want to do, you're going to have to add more sourdough starter. And you got to make sure your sourdough starter is mature enough, too. And so just add, like, double your sourdough starter and use, like, a third cup less of water. And you should expect to have a little bit shorter, denser loaf, but I'm sure it's going to taste great. Now, let's say you want to make your sourdough starter loaf just a little bit more sour. Well, you can put the dough in the refrigerator after the bulk fermentation, right? So it still has to do that initial one-and-a-half-hour rise. Just put it in a sealed container with with maybe some room to grow and put it in the refrigerator. Overnight, you can even do two days, but you really don't want to go too much longer than that. Okay, so when you want to go bake that refrigerated dough, pull it out in the morning. It'll take a few hours to get to room temperature. Or let's say you got to go work eight to five, it's fine. Just pull it out in the morning, try to find a cooler place in your house, and then it'll be good to go and ready to shape when you get home at five. So the reason I'm starting the first sourdough recipe of this podcast with, with this particular recipe 
because it's easier to make and it's more likely to turn out than some of the more um, the more complicated artisan sourdough loaf. What goes on is that there's a lot more variables with the artisan sourdough, which means really there's a lot more moving parts to get right. And so this recipe has less margin of error for baking correctly. So the artisan sourdough, you have to really turn the oven up. And when you turn the oven up, you don't get much room for making mistakes. I mean, not that it's all about making it easy, but I encourage you to start here with this recipe before advancing to the artisan sourdough recipe. And if you think of it kind of this way, if you want to get off the couch and decide you want to run a marathon, and really what you want to do is start by walk, walking longer, maybe, and then alternating running and walking, and then finally running that 26.2 miles. See, my concern is, is that if you try to learn all the different complicated parts of the baking all at once, you're going to get frustrated. You're not going to have much fun, and you're likely to give up. So be patient. Learn the basics first. And it's going to help you to continue to learn the trade while, while you're eating fantastic homemade bread made with your very own two hands. Okay, this sourdough recipe is a straight dough, so you put all the ingredients in at once. The white flour-based breads are generally a straight dough as opposed to the whole wheat doughs, which use a two-step process called a sponge method. So a general rule of thumb, if the recipe has more than 50% wheat flour, use a sponge method, which I covered in episode 6. So this recipe will yield about three pounds of dough, which give you enough for a traditional sandwich style loaf and some extra dough for whatever else you want to do with it. Make dinner rolls, a baguette, or try the artichoke pesto sourdough loaf. So I'm going to give you the recipe now and go over the details of, of how to put it all together. But I am going to also include the recipe in the show notes so you don't have to bother writing it down. Okay, so you start with a three-fourths of a cup of sourdough starter. Okay, one cup of warm water, uh, approximately about 100 degrees. So that basically, um, turn your tap on, let it run and get hot, and it should feel like warm bath water, and then you know that's about where you want it. You don't have to use bottled water. I'm not a fan of bottled water anyway, and tap water is just fine. Okay, and then one package or one tablespoon if you're active dry yeast, two tablespoons of honey, and then three cups of unbleached bread flour. So note that the recipe calls for bread flour, not all-purpose flour. So bread flour basically has more protein in it, which means it's easier to get that gluten properly developed. Okay, and then you're going to add a cup of whole wheat flour. So I like stone ground bread flour. That's Sometimes it's called white whole wheat or it's called gold flour. That's preferred. It's just a little bit lighter whole wheat. But if all of you got is wheat flour, you don't know exactly the type, just use that. And let's say all you got is bread flour to work with that's white, just use that. It'll work out fine. Okay, so then you add a tablespoon of salt, and any type of salt will work. Okay, what I recommend is that you follow the recipe exactly the first time, and you're going to have a great tasting loaf. And then start adjusting to your own personal taste. So... You can decrease or increase the amount of salt, use sugar in place of honey, or substitute warm milk instead of water, and we're just going to give you a richer loaf. And also, too, if you like want to substitute a cup of rye flour instead of the whole wheat flour, you can do that. But you want to be careful about substituting rye flour instead of white flour in because you're going to end up with just a little bit shorter loaf. I mean, not that that's all bad. I mean, I actually like the complex 
uh, tasting loaves that have multiple flours in it. But I really want you to try this recipe first, then start substituting either like more whole wheat flour or rye flour or whatever type of flour you want to throw in there. And keep in mind, if you get over 50% rye or whole wheat blend, then you want to convert to that sponge method that I discussed in episode six. Okay, so first you want to proof the yeast if you're going to use those packets, which means basically just testing it to make it sure it's still active. To do this, just place the yeast in a large mixing bowl and put some warm water in there and the yeast will start to dissolve and bubble. Now, if you want to throw in the honey in there with it, it's just going to happen quicker. Okay, so then it ferments, you're good to go. So then you place the salt into the large mixing bowl and add your flour and your sourdough starter. Basically, you just put all the ingredients in one. I do recommend that you might want to hold a little bit of flour to the side and add later. Okay, so hand kneading. You stir the mixture with your hand, or you can use a wooden spoon if that's more comfortable for you. And what you want to do is just thoroughly blend everything, and it's going to start to form a ball, and it breaks away from the sides of the bowl. Now, if it starts sticking to your hand to the point of making it difficult to pull away, then add a little more flour. But keep in mind that the dough should be sticky. Now, if it feels stiff and it doesn't stick much to you, then you're going to need to add some water. Just add a tablespoon at a time. And it's going to be a little bit thicker dough than Grandma's White, but it's still going to be a softer dough. And then you take that dough and you transfer it to a flat surface of some type. It doesn't really matter what type. And then lightly flour it. And when I say lightly, I mean lightly. I mean like a teaspoon of flour. You don't want to put too much flour. And so now you begin the kneading process. You just basically start with the palm of your hands pushing down away from you on the center of the dough. And then you fold over, turn the dough a quarter of an inch, and keep folding. And in the show notes, there's a link to a demonstration that I did on YouTube for how to knead. And you just basically continue this process until you get like a smooth, satiny texture. Um, I would expect to knead probably about five to ten minutes and maybe shoot for eight minutes. And once again, there's tests to tell if it's kneaded properly. And I covered that in a previous episode, so I don't want to go too much into it. But basically, your dough is going to hold together. And you should be able to get that, pull it apart, and it, it'll stretch on you. Mixer kneading. So you want, whatever your stand mixer is, you got, okay, you got to use one that stand mixer, right? You can't use those hand blenders. Okay, so your stand mixer, you want to start on like a lower speed for just a minute or so, and then increase the speed to a medium setting for approximately about a five minutes, maybe six, seven minutes. And with your bare hand, I want you to feel the dough. Okay, once again, if it's sticky to the point, it's tickled to pull your hand away, then add like a half a tablespoon of flour. And the dough feels, and give it some time to absorb too. So you, you kind of have to remember, first of all, dough should, should be wet, this particular dough. And second of all, it takes some time for the dough to absorb all the moisture. So just give it some time to, so if it feels really sticky, make sure you meet, knead it at least five minutes before you start adding flour because it could just need time more than flour. Okay, so after you're done kneading, place the dough back in the mixer bowl, cover with a damp towel, let it rise in that warm place for approximately an hour and a half or until you see the dough double in bulk. Okay, now you want to gently push it down. Sometimes I say punch the dough, but really you're just kind of a gentle push. And then you place it on your flat lightly floured surface. And you essentially just shape it as you desire. You can make one large loaf 
with this uh, recipe, which goes into your average loaf pan, which is nine by five by three. Or you can make two smaller loaves, which would be eight by four by two. Or you can do one large loaf and another smaller loaf. Okay, so whatever you're doing, now that you've, after you shaped it, the dough goes under the second rising, which usually takes place in the baking pan or on the sheet pan. And so if you're, if you're using a, a pan, a baking pan that's um, for your traditional loaf, it really should rise above the pan before you put it in the oven. And that kind of can depend on the warmth of the room and the kneading process. It could take anywhere from 20 minutes to, I mean, I've seen it take as long as 60 minutes. So you really just want to get to know the dough and, and get an idea of when you should put it in the oven. And so we do that, that uh, different test to tell, but you kind of get to the point where if it's sat out there and it's, it's growing a good amount and it's over the pan, then go ahead and put it in the oven. If it's taken forever to move it all, then it's going to be more like an hour for you before it's ready to go in the oven. Okay, so I egg wash the dough after it's in the pan. I mean, it really doesn't matter if you want to egg wash it right before you put it in the oven. But what does matter is you want to egg wash first and then you want to score the dough. Okay, the reason why, because I like that pretty color contrast. And, but the key thing also, too, is that so egg washing can happen anytime after the shaping before the oven. But your scoring process needs to be done right before you put it in the oven. Otherwise, it'll continue growing and it basically gets deformed if you let it sit out too long after the scoring process. Okay, so the artichoke pesto sourdough recipe is something I created when I saw artichoke pesto in a jar at Trader Joe's. And I remember seeing that, I'm like, hmm, that'd be kind of an interesting combination to try in my sourdough loaf. And I also saw a sun-dried tomato pesto too. So I did that. I created both of them and by far the artichoke pesto sourdough became the number one seller. And so I don't no longer do the sun-dried tomato pesto one, and but we've been doing that artichoke pesto sourdough one for about 20 years. Okay, I think it's also too, it's a it's a really good looking loaf. Okay, so you got that green pesto color, and then we score it, and so you get some artichokes that are sticking out, and so it's got strong eye appeal, and I can tell you that the flavor matches it. It really this is one of those loaves that really does taste as good as it looks. Okay, so the recipe I'm going to give you is for like a pound of dough. And so the initial recipe is three pounds. If you do one traditional loaf, which is about two thirds of the dough, you're going to have a pound left. So what you want to start with is uh, in a small mixing bowl or something, just you want to put together this mixture first, then add it to your base of your sourdough dough. So two tablespoons of dried basil. If you don't have dried basil and if you want to use fresh, I mean, that's even better, but Basically, you want to double the amount. So two tablespoons dried equals a fourth a cup of finely chopped your fresh basil. And then two tablespoons of crushed garlic. Let's say you have granulated garlic. You could use that. If it's more of the powdered, you want to back down the amount of garlic to about a tablespoon of garlic. And two tablespoons of chopped walnuts. One tablespoon of olive oil. Doesn't matter what type of olive oil. And then two tablespoons of your Parmesan cheese. And just really basically a pinch of salt and pepper. Or if you want an exact measurement, use like a quarter teaspoon at the most. There's some salt in the Parmesan cheese. So you don't want to go too overboard on that. And then use your two-thirds cup of artichoke hearts. So if it comes in water, just drain it well. 
And let's say it comes in oil, your artichoke hearts, then just basically emit the olive oil above, but still drain it. it. What happens if it gets too wet? It starts sliding all over the dough and then it'll take longer to bake. And then it overbakes on the outside by the time you get the, the mixture baked in the middle. Okay, so now you take your dough and you basically just lay it flat. So think of it like a football shape type dough. And then it's about an inch thick. And you put your mixture in the middle and you spread it all around. Okay, then you roll it up. Okay, you just roll it up like you would a sleeping bag, right? And then you seal the seam and make sure you take that dough and put seam side down and just put it on a normal sheet pan. Okay, then you egg wash and then you score. We score ours three times evenly spaced on top of the dough before putting it in the oven. Okay, so you preheat your oven and I recommend about 350 degrees. You can go 375 if you want a little bit of a harder crust, but don't go too much more because you're, you're getting a good big mass and it'll take, um, it'll overbake by the time you get the middle done. Okay, so you, you place your loaves, always try to space them out in your oven. Doughs like room when they're baking, they just bake more evenly. And it's gonna take about 30 to 50 minutes. And I know that's a big range, but I'm giving you that range because one, all ovens are different and they all have hot spots. And I don't care what your registers on your oven as a temperature. I bet if you get an oven thermometer and put it in there, it's gonna be a little bit different. And one other point is that you can always bake more. Okay, so check it earlier than you think because you can't bake less. Once it's overbaked, you're kind of stuck. So start at your 30 minute interval and so you can check for the doneness by one, you can pull the loaf out and start tapping the bottom. If it sounds hollow and it's pretty firm, then you're good to go. But the other way to tell if a loaf of bread is done, it's a little bit easier too, is just buy an oven thermometer. I mean, they're less than 10 bucks. Okay, and just poke that in the middle of the loaf. And if the dough turns in, it'll turn into bread at 180 degrees. Okay, so for some people and myself included, I like my sourdough to go a little bit higher. Um, the reason why, because I like a little more color on it. So I want more of a, like a tan color than a white color. And that'll read likely between 190 and 195 degrees. Okay, so you don't want to go too much beyond that temperature because really the danger is that, that bread's just going to stale quicker. Okay, so when you take it out of the oven, you put it on your wire rack and you let it cool for an hour or so before slicing. Honestly, you should wait for bread to completely cool before slicing. But if you can't resist, go ahead. Tear off a chunk for immediate consumption. And I really like um, the plain sourdough. I think it's a really, not only good for sandwiches, but I use it as dipping. So because it's not so tangy uh, of a sourdough, not so strong, you can start to taste different olive oils and you really can taste the different olive oils rather than just the, just the bread. Anyway, so I hope you enjoyed this episode. And I'm also going to include a link in the show notes to my online sourdough baking class. And if you're struggling, I really suggest downloading the class. I mean, it's comprehensive. I start from finish and it's easier to learn sometimes visually. I mean, it's, it's about an hour long or so, and it's going to cost you $9.95. And it's yours to keep and you can refresh yourself by reviewing it at any time. And keep it, I know there's a lot of videos out there on YouTube and they cover various aspects of bread baking. And I can tell you that I looked at some of them. I mean, first of all, 
Some of them are, are they're just wrong. <laughs> and then I also saw some really bad content and video quality. And really, it just takes a lot of time to sort through all those videos. I mean, there's some good, there's definitely some good tips on YouTube, but you kind of have to spend a lot of time to uncover those hidden gems. So if you want to save yourself the time and get good quality video and content, there's no risk. I 100% guarantee everything at House of Breads. If you watch it and you didn't literally learn as much as you thought you would, you want your money back, it's it's no worries at all. There's no question asked. We have that policy at all the bakeries and for all our products. We like our customers to be happy. Okay, so if you'd like to connect further with me, there are links in the show notes. Or let's say you want to learn more about House of Bread, you can go to the website. And I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day and listening to this podcast. And I always welcome any and all feedback. So happy baking, everybody. And until next time, take care.